The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did and the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house! Sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Welcome into the Punt and Pass Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, joined as always by my co-host, Aaron Murray. And Aaron, week one is in the books. The 2019 college football season is underway. It's Labor Day. It's an off Monday, but you and I, we're putting in the work for our listeners and our awesome fans. So shout out to Punt and Pass Nation. Wow, what a week one it was. We got after it. The football games were amazing. We were all over social media as well, so please be sure to follow us on both Twitter and Instagram, at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. Aaron is at AaronMurray11. I am at Drew Butler 13 We also announced our first giveaway winner who's going to win some Punt and Pass swag, so shout out to Ryan McCord, who reached out to us on Instagram. He followed Christina's directions. Shout out intern Christina and won himself the first gift. We will be sure to continue to do more giveaways in the future. So hit us on social media. No shortage of storylines, Murray. Holy cow. What a week one it was. I mean, just off the top of my head, we're going to touch on Tennessee losing to Georgia State. We're going to touch on last night's game, Jalen Hurts just going absolute bananas against Houston, Alabama, Georgia, Auburn. What a game. Hugh Freeze coached from his hospital bed. I mean, what is going on? What a great start to the 2019 well, season. And How the games you? were awesome. Plain and simple. I think that's the most important thing. Let's not forget what's going on in the football field. And a lot of excitement, a lot of a couple upsets, some big time upsets, some Ooh. close games, and finally just a lot of answers to some questions we had throughout this offseason. And I had a fun one. I had the the Wyoming Missouri yeah, game. Great game. And it was funny. New Heisel. So we had a little three man booth up there for CBS. I thought that was great too. I like Coach New Heisel with you. Yeah, we had a blast. We'll be covering uh, most likely Texas A and M and Al and no A and M and Auburn Sweet. in three weeks. We'll have that game. It looks like after Tennessee lost this weekend. So it was between Tennessee, Florida, and yeah. Auburn A and M. Looks like Auburn A and M is going to win for that three thirty spot spot. Uh, in the doubleheader with Georgia and Notre Dame at nighttime. But we were looking at warmups and even just doing our study during the film or during the week. And we're like, man, Missouri just has so much speed. I mean, the running back, the tight end, Albert, oh, the receivers on the outside, Johnson, and uh, and obviously Kelly Bryant at quarterback. Their offensive line was loaded with talent there as well. And then defensively, they were pretty, pretty tough too as well. Uh, they were placing some guys in the front line. But overall, a, just a very balanced team. You know I've been very high in Missouri. Yeah. And just watching them in pregame warm-ups, we're like, man, 
this could get ugly. You know, 18 half point spread. Uh, and really? it should be interesting. Yeah, it's 18 half point spread. And, and Missouri came out rocking. I mean, first two possessions, they go down there. Like it was like knife through a cage, just boom, 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 boom. Kelly Bryant looked great. The running game was going easy passes and Wyoming went three and out, three and out. And we're like, this is about to get ugly. And all of a sudden, and this is, this is, this is week one, week zero. What we keep seeing from some of these teams, the turnover bug happened. Kelly Bryant fumbled the football. They pick it up, score a touchdown, end of the half. They fumble another football uh, at the one yard line going in for Missouri, fumble it. Missouri or Wyoming picks it up, runs down the field. Kelly Bryan gets a horse collar at the end of half. So, hey, Wyoming gets another chance. They put a field goal in, and then second half, Missouri just had no answer for Wyoming's run game. I mean, their quarterback for Wyoming just went right through him, had about a 79-yard run at one point for a touchdown, and a huge upset. I mean, another big upset, another loss to the SEC. Mountain West had a tremendous weekend. They looked great. But it was a fun game, man, that the field was crazy. After the game, all the fans rushed the field, and it was exciting. And, and their coach ended up getting a, I think, $100,000 bonus. There you go. Nice, That's cause nice for six, celebration. Nice 600, no, six-figure uh, bonus for, for beating a Power 5 team. That's like you so and the AAF. overall, a great night. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> well, I, I should have if I, if I didn't go bankrupt. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that was a crazy game, and there were so many other wild games. I mean, the ending to that Auburn-Oregon game, when everybody just expected Auburn to run, call timeout, and then kick a field goal to win. No, Gus Malzahn lets Bo Nix throw it in the end zone, and they convert a last-second touchdown pass to put that away. Justin Fields coming out party for Ohio State. Clemson doing what everybody thought they would do, but Travis Etienne kind of stealing the spotlight from Trevor Lawrence. We'll touch on the Georgia game as well, and we're going to look forward to Week 2 because there are some great matchups, Aaron. But let's just start with what happened Thursday night. We'll touch on it quickly. Clemson rolled Georgia Tech 52-14, to and like I just mentioned, man, Travis Etienne stole the show. 12 rushes, 205 yards, three touchdowns. I will say this. I was really impressed with the way Georgia Tech came out and played both on the offensive and defensive lines like for the first couple of series. We knew they weren't going to be able to hang around, but they had no let up in the beginning. They punched right back when they got punched. You just knew they weren't going to be able to sustain it for even two quarters, much less four. Yeah, I, I thought for them that they, they fought valiantly, but that's that's week one. You've had all offseason to prepare for Clemson's offense. You kind of you know what to expect, so if somatically you should be prepared. And then from there, talent took over. Plain and simple, talent for Clemson. The receivers, Etienne at running back, uh, they did they dominated. Plain yeah. and simple, they were just too fast. And that's kind of what I was expecting. Going back to that Missouri Wyoming game, speed wins games a lot of the time. If you can, if you're faster than dudes, plain and simple, they can't cover you. They can't they can't get the right angles when it comes to tackling, and and Clemson rolled. But there was a definitely some chinks and Clemson's armor a yeah. little bit watching that football game where you're saying, Hey, not so fast this weekend. We'll break down that A&M game later this week, but that's going to be an exciting game when yes, A&M goes to Clemson. Uh, especially if Trevor Lawrence is throwing picks. I mean, that first pick, he just, it, listen, it was it, the DB. The saw was that was inside. good. Preparation yeah, it, it was cover four. The, the DB was bailing, but he was in a, a press bail type position. So he still had, he was hip to hip with the receiver, but it was an out route. And he let it. He left it inside. I think if he still threw it outside, most likely would have been a pick. It would have been a tougher pick for the DB to make that play on the football. But you got to leave any kind of outbreaking route. You got to throw it outside. 
uh, and then the second one at the first half too. So he can't turn the football over. That may just be, you know, first game, little jitters, a little of excitement, a lot of pressure, a lot of expectations for you with that receiving core to go out there and, and be that Heisman candidate. So if, if he does that though, versus A&M, you know, watch out. That's going to be a fun game uh, this weekend as well. That will be an awesome game. I think for their sake, being in Death Valley this time around in Clemson is going to play to their favor. But Jimbo Fish yep. is going to have those boys ready to play. So that will be exciting. And then on the flip side, Georgia Tech hosts South Florida next week, who got absolutely trounced by Wisconsin, 49 to nothing. I did not see that coming. Oh, but I think a- Tech might have a good chance to get their first victory under the Coach Collins regime. So we'll watch after that. In Atlanta, how about the noon game on Saturday? Okay, I took this game, Ohio State minus 28. I mean, Justin Fields absolutely balls out. They're up 28 to nothing, Aaron. With seven minutes left in the first quarter, I'm thinking they're going to win by 60 points. Money is safe. Let's have a Saturday. And, of course, they just call the dogs off, start putting the backups in. Lane Kiffin and Florida Atlantic put 21 points on the board. They don't even cover. But, man, Justin Fields doing what we all thought and knew that he would do. He was 18-25, 234 yards, and four touchdowns throwing the ball. He had 12 rushes for 61 yards and ran for a touchdown as well. Now, Twitter was going crazy during the game, Aaron. Everybody was putting their Justin Fields opinions out there. Here's what I said, okay? As a Georgia alum, as a watcher of SEC football, Justin Fields' success is great for everybody involved. It's great for Kirby Smart. It's great for Georgia because it shows that they're doing recruiting right. It's great for Justin Fields. Good for him. It's great for Ohio State, obviously. Here's the beef that I had, and it has nothing to do with him. The fact that he's eligible to play this season is a total joke, and I think that's where people get frustrated because he lost the job to Jake Fromm, and then he transferred and he was immediately eligible for no other reason other than that he wasn't going to play this year at Georgia. So good for Justin Fields, but I think a lot of people's question marks or head scratching when they're watching him ball out is because he shouldn't be eligible this year, but he got around the system and he is. I'm with you. Good for him. I, I think that the, the of the past three quarterbacks that have committed these top recruits from Eason, Fields, and Fromm, Eason and Fields are the two most talented quarterbacks maybe in Georgia's history. If you want to line <laughs> yeah, up those dude. two, if you want to line up those two quarterbacks and do like a quarterback combine, Eason is is Checks Stafford S. Yeah, he's Stafford S. Plus three inches, big, strong arm. Fields is the most gifted athlete that we've probably ever seen at the quarterback position, the ability to run his size, his strength, and then the ability to throw the football. So like I said the most gifted quarterbacks in Georgia history, and they're not even on the roster and I wouldn't have it any other way. I'm still taking yep. Jake Fromm over those two guys any single day, because we know it's not about throwing and running all the time. It's, it's, it's what's between Jake's ears in his mind, what he can do to make guys around him better. No knock on those other two, but I would rather have Jake Fromm. but going back to fields. I went down, went back and watched his film yesterday just to see it. And he looks a much improved passer. He has the big arm. We, we saw some go balls, a post route, uh, his ability to stretch the field down the field. Obviously the guy, the guys were wide open. So let's, let's wait to see when he plays true competition. Some of his touchdown passes, I mean, there wasn't a DB within 15 yards, but he's throwing it effortlessly. And that's something that he didn't do when he was at Georgia. It was a lot of muscle, a lot of try to put holes in people's chests where you look now and you watch him throw the football. You're like, okay, he's learned touch. He's learned to be able to put some pace on the ball 
where it still gets there on time, but he's not having the muscle. And that's just learning that, hey, I don't have to be this big rocket arm. So I like that from him. I liked his ability to move, maneuver on the pocket. We know he's a runner, but he wasn't a runner first. And that was good to see, too. Sometimes guys are they get out of the pocket, they tuck the football and they just want to go. Where you saw Justin Fields, he was maneuvering around. He'd get outside, but he'd keep his head up. He'd keep the ball in a ready position to throw it, and he made some great throws on the run as well. So this is a dangerous football team when you look at them. Defense looked good. Offense looked good. I think the biggest question mark I have with Ohio State watching the film was their offensive line. They're breaking in, I think, three or four new dudes. At times, they weren't very successful running the football. At times, the pocket broke down, and you wouldn't expect that versus an FAU football team. You know, and th- that worries me a little bit. When you start getting into conference play, playing against better defenses, and your offensive line look like that versus FAU, I think you have to worry a little bit if you're an Ohio State fan. But it's week one. Everyone's working through some stuff right now. The coaches will look back at the film, make the corrections. But overall, I think it was a big win for Justin Fields. Obviously, going out west, Jacob East or Jacob Eason balled out as well. Oh, he showed yeah. off that he showed off that rocket arm, but they're playing a team from the big sky. I think it was the big sky. Yeah, and Eastern Washington. Eason was yeah. twenty seven and thirty six for three hundred and fifty yards and four touchdowns. So but I mean that's a high They look team. great. They look great both both quarterbacks, but let's let's hold off until they start playing some conference teams to really see what they are. And I'm not saying they're just gonna tank. I think they both showed maturity. They showed that hey, we were willing this past offseason and for Jacob Eason his redshirt year to work on some stuff. And, and I thought they both had terrific first days. They answered a lot of questions, but there's still a lot more out there. Like I said, when they play these conference games, no question next week, a game that we will have circled is Cincinnati traveling to Ohio state. That game's at noon on Mm -hmm. ABC. We'll break it down. Luke fickle, former defensive coordinator, Ohio state, Cincinnati is good, man, and Justin Fields could have his hands full. That's going to be his real first true test. We'll watch out after that. But, man, okay, look, I'm happy for Justin Fields. There's no doubt about it, but I am really happy for Jacob Eason. I know it's the first game, but the guy did it right. Okay, he did it right. He got injured. He lost his job. He transferred. He sat out. Now he's having his time to shine, so we will be rooting for him. For the rest of the season. All right, I want to break down the rest of the games really quickly, but let's just touch on probably the biggest news regionally of the weekend, and that, of course, is Tennessee losing to Georgia State 38-31. to Keep one thing in mind. Georgia State was 2-10 and last year. They were not a good football team. Tennessee got pushed around. They were out-prepared. They were out-physicaled. They were out-executed. They were everything. And before I hand the floor to you, Aaron, One of our friends, our dear friend Paul Feinbaum, noted (laughs) Tennessee alumni, tweeted out, I've been watching Tennessee football since I was three years old. This is the lowest point. I don't know if we'll ever come back to it. Rewind to last year's SEC media days. My good buddy Aaron Murray was asked about Jeremy Pruitt. Aaron, you said, hey, based on what I know to be true and who I've talked to, my close sources tell me and I believe that I have the right to question his leadership ability and his ability to be a head coach in the SEC because you have to be the CEO. I believe those were the words you said. Paul Feinbaum took personal shots at you (laughs) a year ago and said, I don't give two rips about what Aaron Murray thinks. What is Aaron Murray even doing now? I mean, went after you personally. So I had a little fun Saturday on Twitter. I quote tweeted Feinbaum, and I said, hey, Feinbaum, remember when Murray said he questioned Jeremy Pruitt's head coaching ability last year and you flipped your shit? Good times. Good times. And it kind of went like semi-viral. I have like 
2,000 likes, a couple hundred retweets. So shout out to you, Aaron Murray, for being 100% correct. And shout out to Paul Feinbaum for being dead ass wrong. And let me be clear about one thing. Look, we're all wrong far more than we're right. But when you take personal shots to discredit an opinion, that's bullshit. That should be called out. I'm here for you, Murray. Punt and pass. We're national, baby. Dang we're right. We down. stick up so for each other. I love crazy, it. That was crazy, though. Tennessee I, I was dying laughing. They, they got – you said it. They, they got manhandled. Some of the issues that we saw from Tennessee last year, they, they were back. Once again, turnovers, three turnovers. The inability to win the line of scrimmage. They gave up four sacks to Georgia State. This is a team that won two games last year. Four sacks. The offensive line did not play great. Only three yards average per carry. So when you play a team like this, you're licking your chops. This is a, hey, we're going to go out there, just like most of these other teams we saw this weekend. We're going to throw five touchdowns. We're going to have an average of about seven to eight yards rushing per carry. We're going to dominate the line of scrimmage. Our quarterback's jersey is going to be completely clean by the time this game ends. And none of that happened. They got beat up front. This is something that they were going to pride themselves on this year. Oh, we got these five-star recruits. We got our left guard back. He's healthy. And and we're going to be much, much, much improved. And I thought they were too. Will Friend, offensive line coach, I think he does a tremendous job. If he can't get those dudes right up front, then there's some bigger problems, I think, within the entire facility, within that program that that you have to worry, man. You can't at home lose to Georgia State, plain and simple. Oh, God. That is embarrassing. I do agree with, for the first time in my life, something that Feinball says, probably the most embarrassing loss in Tennessee history. It has has to be. be. It has has to to be. So where is this program right now? I have no idea. I mean, they may shock us all. And and rebound and, and have a great season, but to lose to Georgia State 38 30 30 and have a late touchdown to make it 38 to 30 because they were losing 38 to 23. Yeah, yeah. 38 to 23. <laughs> oh my god, are you god. kidding me? That's insane. That's it's embarrassing. Insane. I mean, and, and Garantano looked off. I mean, the, the, the biggest thing going back to the yards per play is the lack of explosive plays in this football game. When you look at some of these other teams and the receivers and running backs, you see big runs. You see a 20-yard run, a 30-yard run, a 70-yard touchdown. You see receivers making guys miss. It's the yards after catch. It's that important yak that we always talk about. We saw none of that from Tennessee. It was run into a linebacker, get tackled. It was catch a football, one-on-one with a DB, get tackled. There was no explosion after the catch. And that's what you have to worry about with this team is it's hard to draw up plays to be successful if your guys can't break tackles, plain and simple. Yeah. If you're just going three yards, three yards, three yards, and guys can't bust one out, it's going to be a long season for these guys. And, hey, that $1.6 million contract for Cheney, uh, it, it didn't look too hot week one. He, he, he did not call a great game. Garantano did not look comfortable a lot of the time in the pocket. He was late on his reads. If I'm a Tennessee fan, I'm freaking out, man. This is a, this oh After God, this yeah. week – you're praying to get the five wins again this season. And if you get the four wins or five wins, I don't know how you can keep Pruitt. Yeah. If, I mean, it's progress, a failed experiment. It's a you, failed experiment. You, you got to move on. If you don't show progress and you, you lose to Georgia state. I, I, I don't know. I, I think that, that, that program has way too much tradition and pride to let two seasons like that go on. No question. I mean, just, just really a sad state of affairs. The memes on social media, were absolutely fantastic. One of them said that Smokey the dog has entered the transfer portal. And um, I saw another really funny one. It was a, a picture of Jussie Smollett that said, I can't believe Tennessee paid someone to beat them. 
which was hilarious if you understand the irony on that internet meme. Internet remains undefeated. So, hey, thoughts and prayers to Tennessee football. Let's see if they can rebound. Let's see what kind of leadership Coach Pruitt and that entire staff has for the volunteers and their fan base. All right, Alabama beat Duke 42-3. to I think the most notable thing here was that a couple of starters were supposed to be suspended for the entire first half. And after Bama got off to a really slow start with some turnovers and some stupid mental mistakes, that suspension quickly turned into one quarter. So Coach Saban doing what he does best, win over anything and win at all costs. Not really much to discuss here, Aaron. Duke was just outmanned. I love how they came out with some triple option play. Totally surprised Dude, they, Alabama. True, they, they tried everything. They it went was triple hilarious. option. They went five wide. I mean, that game plan was the most diverse game plan I've ever awesome. seen in offense and Cutliff come out with. They're like, dude, we got to try everything we can to just, you know, surprise this, this Alabama team. But, hey, listen, I think there's a lot of positives you can take from Alabama. One, defense looked pretty good. Yep. You know, you're, you're facing a Duke offense with a new quarterback that they weren't very good, and, and you knew that just based on the game plan. They knew they were outmatched. They knew – they're going to have some issues at the quarterback position. And that's why they try to do everything they can from triple option to five wide, spread them out. Nothing worked. And Tua looked great. I mean, Tua is, I love seeing him in the pocket. He does such a great job of if, if, the, if there's a free rusher, being able to set them up, uh, elude them, get outside the pocket and throw the football. And then going back, we talked about with Tennessee and lack of ability to make guys miss. Those receivers for Alabama are incredible. Yeah. And that's something, too, watching Georgia this weekend. Those guys for Alabama are on a different Judy, level. Rugs, and, oh, um, and Waddle. Dude, Crazy. You get you get them the ball in space. Forget about and it. And I'm like, I'm like puckering up like, oh, my goodness. Like any moment, these guys can break one for a touchdown. I mean, they are that good. So receivers good, defense good, two are good. I think offensive line, which you're not used to seeing with Alabama, that's a little bit of a question mark right now. They did not dominate the line of scrimmage that you thought you think they should. Missed a couple blitzes. The run game was hit or miss. So there's some work to do up front for the offensive line, but they can mask a lot of that with obviously Tua continuing to play well and those receivers just being so dominant uh, when they get the ball in their hands. Yeah, Bama's looking like we have come to expect Bama to look like they took care of business in a big way, and they're going to continue to do so. Their real first test, you thought it might be at Columbia against South Carolina, but they looked awful, and they lost to North Carolina. That game's in two weeks on CBS at A&M, October 12th. That could be a big one, depending on how A&M continues to play with some early success in 2019. All right, let's talk about that Saturday night game. I know you were busy, but you had your eye on it as well. Auburn, just an unreal victory over Oregon. They won 27-21, to 21, as I mentioned in the show open. Bo Nix with the big last-second touchdown pass. Keep in mind, Auburn was down 21-6, to 6, Aaron. Auburn was down 21 to six, not really playing well, not taking advantage of opportunities. And then on the flip side, Oregon, holy cow, fumbles inside the red zone, missed short field goal, short, like 19 yards, almost like an extra point. Coach Cristobal and Oregon have to just be bashing their heads up against the wall, watching that film back on the weekend. But what a play call by Gus Malzahn. I thought they were going to run. They had a timeout, I think, and then kick a field goal. Nope, you let the true freshman throw it up. And uh, interesting back shoulder pass on -on one-on-one coverage. Guy comes down with it. Auburn wins 27-21. Huge victory for Auburn. Oh, it's gigantic. But just let's go throughout the entire game. I mean, Oregon was dominant. Justin Herbert 
was having its way. And they did a great job. I love the game plan. I went back and watched it yesterday afternoon. And just their their thought process of let, let's not get this D-line for Auburn involved in this football game. It was quick hitters. It was get Justin Herbert out on the run. I mean, shoot, one of his touchdowns, he rolled to the left, threw it back to the right without any lower body. I mean, it was just straight arm strength. He's special. I think a lot of people are worried about, is he really a bona fide number one pick in the NFL draft? If you watch that football game, was he perfect? No, but he missed maybe a couple throws. He was 28 of 37. He was everything you want if you're an NFL scout. The, the arm strength was incredible. The pocket movement was really good. Uh, and, and first off, they, they should have been up, honestly, I think about 28 to three at halftime yeah, yeah. or 24. So before that missed field goal, he hit a guy in the back of the end zone who dropped it. So they drop a touchdown, would have put in 21 points. They, they miss a field goal. And then at the end of the half, obviously, they're going down the score as well after, I think, a long punt return. Fumble at Auburn brings it back. So this game could have been over at halftime. This game could have been and should have been based on field position and drops and missed field goals 24 to 28, 24 or 28 to 3. And that's a different ball game. I mean, they let them stay in there. And, and kudos to Auburn for sticking around, taking advantage of mistakes that Oregon made. Bo Nix, fresh mistakes. Looked like a freshman. He looked like a freshman. He made some great throws throughout the game. So he made some throws that, okay, he has the potential. I mean, even in the first half, first quarter, when he was missing some stuff, the interception on that, the first interception, I'm not going to put on him. He was rolling left. He goes to throw the football. And just as he's releasing it, the receiver actually starts moving towards the sideline. So the receiver needs to stay there or attack the football. He starts to drift away, which allowed the DB for Oregon to get in there and make the interception. So first pick, not on him. Second pick was completely on Bo Nix. But he made throws and said, okay, this kid is talented. He can move pretty well. I need him to trust his offensive line. I think that's something that they're going to harp this week, week in practice. Sit in the pocket. You don't always have to any kind of – if I'm a defense, I'm like, we're going to blitz because as soon as he sees color flash – He's out of there. Sometimes you just got to settle in as a quarterback. It's a subtle slide, move, locate your receiver and throw. So he needs to mature in that aspect. But big plays and and the fact that he stayed in the game. Yeah. He didn't he didn't he didn't wither. He didn't pout. He wasn't upset with himself. He sucked it up, played four quarters. And 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 it had a huge huge game to win it and a huge throw to win the football game. Huge. So I, I love where he's at. I like I think he's gonna make some huge strides now with confidence and, and Gus is gonna make sure that he continues to get better and better within the pocket. Yeah, it was it was fun to see him stick with it. He was thirteen of thirty one, 177 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. Obviously one of those touchdowns with nine seconds left. That was the only time Auburn led throughout the entire game. And when I told my wife that last night, she said, wow, just like the national championship game with Georgia. Wow. So a um, little tough dig right there for my wife, Jackie, Alabama graduate. Dude, I was, but crazy I, I, game. I, and the coolest part was seeing his dad like in tears in the stands. His dad was a quarterback at Georgia, football coach. Or even the, the introduction. The he, was, he was tearing up when they, they, they allowed both fathers to introduce – with the starting lineups, and you can tell the dad was getting a little emotional. Yeah, Best awesome. believe, Drew, if my son plays quarterback in the University of You're Georgia. You're going to cry. I'll oh, my God. Gonna... You'll cry every game. I'll be crying every game. We're going to have to get you a tissue sponsor. Drew, don't lie. If, you're little, if you got a son one day and he's a punter for Georgia, you, there's going to be some tears coming down your eyes. I know your dad had to be tearing up your first time you punted at Georgia. Yeah, I would think so. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I would hope so. We got to ask. You would him. hope so. Who knows? <laughs> 
Who knows? Yeah, All whatever. right, speaking of Georgia, they dominated Vanderbilt 30-6. to Mixed reactions from Bulldog Nation. Okay, look, that opening drive was the best. I was like, <laughs> here we go. This is it. You cannot stop this offensive line. The stable of running backs that Georgia has is unbelievable. Jake Fromm's efficiency, his changing the play calls at the line of scrimmage, the play calling by Coley I thought was great. I mean, being able to execute that first script, Aaron, you can speak to this as a quarterback, is huge. And then on the defensive side of the ball, look, you're playing Vanderbilt, but you shut him down. I mean, you didn't even give up a touchdown. Look, I know Georgia let off the gas, but why wouldn't they? Why show all your cards when you have two dress rehearsals before the biggest game of the season to this point when Notre Dame comes to Athens at the end of the month? I thought, hey, totally fine. Rate them at a B or a B minus, but you win 30 to 6. You cover. Thanks, Hot Rod. And I think it's like, hey, let's just stay healthy, continue to get better, get young guys reps, and and work towards winning every game this season. Uh, there's a couple things that you, you feel good about after this game. We know Jake Fromm's going to take care of the football. He did a tremendous job. Uh, not a lot was asked from him, but I wouldn't expect that. I was going in thinking they would throw the ball 20 times at max, and, and he threw the ball 23 times. He was in control, accurate as we know he's going to be. I love what Coley did offensively. I thought he did a great job of mixing it up formationally. I mean, you're in pro sets. You're in three receiver sets. Love Sometimes that. they went to four wide, five wide. So this offense is going to be very diverse, and I think that's a great thing because you you do. You got speed and talent, so that's that's a good thing to see. Him starting to mix things up a little bit offensively. Swift looked great. I was really impressed with James Cook and his ability to do a lot of stuff. Yes. Running the football, catching it. He's an athlete. And then Demetrius Robertson looked tremendous. Very so I think good. I think we we're starting to see some of this talent at the receiving position just a little bit. I mean, they like I said, they didn't open up in the past game enough, but it's good to see that they are there are playmakers on the outside that are ready to step up. And, and I think when they do get to that game where they're going to have to pass the ball. 30 to 35 times I'm feeling a little bit more comfortable that they have that ability but still at the end of the day if you can run the ball and average eight yards a carry you're gonna run win the football. damn ball you're gonna win football and you're gonna continue to do it I mean you're almost averaging a first down every time a running back gets the ball in his hand so continue to feed the backs continue to win the line of scrimmage and I think that's something we're gonna see over and over there's gonna be maybe two or three games where Jake Fromm throws the ball 30, 35 times. Which it's going to be, That's which is fine. fine. Yeah. I keep telling people, this is the, the formula that Alabama was built on between 09 and 13, 14. AJ McCarron and those dudes, they were throwing the ball 20 times a game. They were running it. They were wearing teams down at, at the line of scrimmage. And then they would just have their way with you in the fourth quarter. So that's the way this team's built great defense, which I think they're going to have a tremendous defense this year. When you watch the film, and an offense that wins the line of scrimmage, and then every now and then you'll get a big play from a receiver on the outside. James Cook is like the exact prototype of a certain TJ Yeldon from Alabama, and you Mm -hmm. think about A.J. McCarron throwing Yeldon that screen pass to win the LSU game. Stuff like that is what you could see from these types of athletes that Georgia has, and Fromm was 15-23, 156 yards and a touchdown. Huge shout-out to Brian Herrion for getting the start. I think that was awesome on Coach Smart's behalf to say, hey, you know, Swift missed a lot of practices in camp. Herrion's there. He's a senior, given the start. That was great for him. He had 12 rushes for 65 yards and a touchdown. Swift, 16 carries for 147 yards. And look, I am fine with Georgia having 
a re- receiving core by committee type situation. Lawrence Cager, Kiaris Jackson, Matt Landers, Demetrius Robertson. Then you got James Cook and Harrion and Swift who can catch out of the backfield. They're going to be just fine. And that well, the defense look good too. Well, look, so the another big thing was time of possession. We talk about winning in football. If you possess the ball for 35 minutes and your opponent only has the ball for 25 minutes, that's another formula too. Their defense is well on the field way too long for Vanderbilt. They were exhausted. And that's why you're seeing eight yards of pop. So if there's anything that Georgia needs to work on, it's penalties, 10 yeah, penalties, just 115 sloppy, yards, just sloppy. a little sloppy. And then third down was one for seven. I mean, those are two big things. Huge. When you start playing good football teams, you can't, you can't be one for seven. You got to stay on the field when it comes to third downs and, and you can't be committing 10 penalties. So there's a little bit of sloppiness, but you, you weren't playing, you were playing a lesser opponent, but you're still playing a good football team. It's yeah. not like you were playing some of these sec teams were playing, you know, Georgia Southern and Georgia state, you know, yeah. you're, you were playing a Vanderbilt team that had some good guys on offense that prides itself on playing better defense. And, and you went out there and dominated. So was it going to be perfect? No, it's week one, but I thought it was a good, it was a good performance and you have to feel encouraged that, Hey, week one, we're here first, another sec team. And, and we're only going to get better, and, and I'm excited if I'm a Georgia fan. Yeah, I think they got a lot to be excited about. Pump the brakes on being pissed off or upset. Georgia's in for a fun 2019 and an awesome way to win a road conference game to start the season off. Want to know on the season, want to know in the SEC, and the SEC East could very well be the SEC least, as we saw in week one. All right, last night, we'll put a bow on this thing, Murray. Last night, Oklahoma had no issue with Houston. They won 49-31. to 31. That was one of our picks that we gave out on punt, pass, and pick that we put out every weekend on our Instagram and Twitter page, at punt and pass. And just shout out to myself. I'm off to a 10-1 and one start. Murray, you're off to an 8-3 and three start. Not bad at all. And you are 1-0 and oh on your lock of the week, which was the Auburn-Oregon under so, yes, Houston covered that 23-and-a-half-point spread, but Jalen Hurts, oh, my goodness. First game as a Sooner starting quarterback. Again, he Ooh. transferred the right way. He left Alabama. He was a graduate transfer, went to Oklahoma, and he's starting. Let me just give you this stat line. I have it written on our show prep. Jalen Hurts, 20-32 for 332 yards and three touchdown passes and 16 rushes 20 for 20-of-23. 20 of 23, not 20 of 32. Okay, I mistyped that. 20 of 23, 332 yards and three touchdowns, 16 rushes, 176 yards, and three rushing touchdowns. And what I put next to that stat line is WTF. That is insanity. And then to see him pissed off postgame, we got to get better, man. We got to get better. It wasn't good enough. Buddy, that was plenty good enough. Go celebrate with your boys and get ready for week two. He had a 98.7 QBR. I mean, that's a video hundreds. Of, video yeah, that's a view. But okay, he played great. I'm, I'm not going to take anything away from him. He looked awesome. He threw the ball with accuracy. But did you see Houston's defense? I'm watching that game last night. I sent a Trash. tweet out. I said Houston belongs right in their conference because they have no idea how to tackle. I mean, it was embarrassing. Just missed tackle left and right. So all you need to do if I'm Oklahoma and Jalen Hurts is throw a slant. My guy catches it and he's going to take it 60 yards because no one wants to tackle. It was embarrassing defense, plain and simple. Like I said, not taking anything away from Jalen. He looked great, but still, that defense for Houston was horrendous the entire night. And if I'm Jalen, I'm saying, geez, why didn't I transfer earlier? If all the defenses in the in the Big 12, I know Houston's not part of the Big 12, but their defense looked like the Big 12. 
why didn't I do this earlier? I mean, there's a chance the way he looked like last night running the football, the talent they have at receiver, the offensive line was better than expected. I mean, they had four new dudes up there, and they actually played pretty darn good. This is a dangerous team. And then Oklahoma defensively looked good for the first half. Second half started to crumble a little bit, but you're also facing a really good team and a good offense in Houston, one of the best offenses in the country. So that Murray linebacker, whoever that is, that dude, I think he was like preseason top uh, top defender for their conference. That kid was an absolute stud. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a fr- he has first-round draft pick written all over him. I mean, every time there's a tackle being made, he was there. So Oklahoma's defense looks improved from last year. That's a big thing. And if the offense could be that good, I like them to win the conference over Texas, yeah. the way they looked. I mean, obviously, we're going to see what Texas looks like this weekend versus LSU, but Oklahoma looked like a dominant football team. I'm just going to pump the brakes on Jalen Hurts for a little bit. We all know his struggles as a thrower of the football with Alabama. That's not something that I think is very coachable. I don't know. I mean, he just talked about how bad uh, Houston's defense was. I I could have thrown the ball against them. Yeah, but tackling mostly. I mean, he was still throwing the ball where the accuracy, when you watch where the ball was thrown, they were keeping the receivers in stride. The accuracy, the ball was going where it needed to go. So that's, that's a good sign. It's not like he was throwing it and it was a bad throw and his receiver just made a good catch because no one was on him. I mean, the ball accuracy wise was good and I thought he improved. I mean, going back to watching him when he got in last season, when they're up by a bajillion points at Alabama, his throwing got better through the year. So I do believe that he worked his tail off to become a better passer. I mean, he's, he's not a Trevor Lawrence. He's not, a Tua, but he he's a good enough passer. Then you throw that in with what he can do running the football. That's a dangerous yeah. quarterback in this league that doesn't play defense that great. Listen, this this could be three three Heisman's in a row. I mean, he, <laughs> he really could. I mean, it as really of right could. now, he has the lead. Yeah, there's no if doubt. Would, I mean, that stat line is absolutely him ridiculous. Him and probably had the best two weekends. I, I, and another guy we didn't hit on was Joe Burrow. Oh God, yeah. Watching him, I watched the film of him too. Watching him on that new offense looked tremendous. He he's another guy. Accuracy was on a different level. He just looked like complete command of the football. I know they're playing a lesser opponent, but still, the ball was where it needed to be. Plain and simple. Even when it was tight coverage, his first touchdown was a slant route in the end zone. I don't know how it got around the DB's arm, but somehow he put it in there for a nice little tutty. He looked great. His timing with his footwork looked great. He's very comfortable. They look like the best team in the, in the SEC this weekend. LSU? They're, no. LSU look like the wow. best SEC this weekend. Don't sleep on them. They got a chance. If Alabama doesn't figure out the offensive line, um, and, and obviously we, we need to see what this defense looks like going against a good, good offense because Duke is not a good offense. LSU was the winner of week one, in my opinion, for the SEC. All right. All right. Love it. Bold. Winner for me personally of week one, Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze coaching from his hospital bed for Liberty was one of the most outrageous things I've ever seen. You have to think that he knew what kind of reaction he would get from the world of college football. Given the thumbs up, like, hey, I'm still alive, even though we didn't score a point against Syracuse. Completely hilarious. I hope he's feeling better. I think it was back pain or something. I mean, what a wild, wild move. Shout out to Coach Freeze. That was crazy. And then bad beat possibly of the year already after week one. Stanford was up 10-7 to on Northwestern. Northwestern was getting 6.5, I think. And um, sack, fumble, recovered in the end zone by Stanford to end the game. Stanford wins 17-7 to and covers. Horrible. Gambling is no fun, people. 
gambling can be fun, but it could be no fun. I did not. I stayed off that one, fortunately. But, man, what a great week one, Murray. I think week two is going to be awesome as well. Some big games to look forward to. LSU, Texas. Texas A&M versus Clemson. Cincinnati versus Ohio State, which I think will be a great one. And many more. We will discuss those on Thursday's episode of Punt and Pass. Anything on the way out, brother? No, man, I'm with you. Going to be another fun week. I'm just going to get my prepping going. I got Minnesota at Fresno State. Fresno State almost with the upset at USC. Yeah, they so they had a chance. Daniels out for the season. JT, that team. Wow. wow. He might as well just, uh, their head coach might as well just walk away. Because that quarterback, yeah. their freshman who they had playing, he ain't going to get it done. You no. better hope somehow you win on special teams and defense dominates. And their defense looks so-so against a Fresno State offense that is replacing pretty much the entire offense. USC is a team that may not go bowling once again this year. They they look at their schedule. Do you hear that? Do you hear that? That's the knock on Urban Meyer's door. He's oh, going to be at USC Ur- next Urban, year. Urban, Urban may not be doing that Fox show in about six weeks. <laughs> I know. I'm not, I'm not messing with you, Drew. <laughs> I agree. Before their bye week, this team could be one in five or one in four. I don't know what their record is. Let me look at their schedule. Whatever before their bye week, all I know is their their first four or five games are an absolute biatch. And is, uh, what do you where got? is this thing? I'm, I'm trying to pull up my full Phil Steele right here. I just know it ain't looking too pretty if you're a Trojans fan right now. Oh, here we go. Fresno State, you won. Now without a starting quarterback, you have to go to Stanford or Stanford at home at BYU, Utah, and at Washington. Yeah, good luck. You want me to put my hot take right now, Drew? Yeah. USC is two and three or one and four, and Clay Helton is fired before they go to Notre Dame. All right. I love it. Would you not fire him if you're two and three? You, you have no other chance. You have no other option, really. Murray with the hot take. Clay Helton fired before the Notre Dame game. And USC is not making a bowl Fox game. USC is not making a bowl game. Wow. Wow. They're not. That quarterback was not good. I don't know if you watched that game. If he's their guy, they better figure it out. Because if he's that guy and he's going to start this year, ah, wow, trouble. Trouble for USC. All right. Well, we will uh, we'll definitely keep tabs on that developing situation out west. But in the meantime, follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram, at Punt and Pass. Aaron is at Aaron Murray 11 and I am at Drew Butler 13. We will talk to you on Thursday for our week two preview. See you.